0: Hello everybody, this is Anna and Brian from Amara World Podcast, and today we have our next guest for our Gaming and metaverse episode, um, Uluç Yükçen, who is the co-founder of Curator Studios, a web to native uh, gaming company based in Turkey. Hi Uluç. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you. How are you? And thank you very much for having me giving this stage, helping us spread the word. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Brian.
0: It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, thank you for coming and joining us. Um, and maybe for our listeners, can you give like a quick introduction to yourself and your background?
1: Um, I've been in business 30 years. It's, I've tried to make it quick, but it's been a long time. Um, I, my journey started back in 1995 uh, in finance uh, and investment banking and brokerage. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, I lived through the craziest markets, ups and downs. And and I'm not saying this is to make a nostalgia, but, you know, 2000, like 1998 to 2000 was the craziest markets I ever seen, including the crypto hype, you know. And so, but what happened during that time was, you know, uh, is that I've seen that that, that, that party is not going to go on for so long. So I came back to Turkey uh, at the end of 1999. And we remember like what happened in like 2001, right? Market crashed and three, $4 trillion vaporized. So it was difficult times for Turkey and for all around the world. What I did from 2001 to 2008 was the corporate business, corporate side of things, right? And 2008, you know, with that, you know, credit market crisis, I said, wow, this is, this is a big one. How are we going to, you know, kind of survive this? As you can see, my life kind of has pivotal points on the crisis, you know, there was a turning point. So I sold my properties and got into restaurant business. So I said, people are gonna eat anyway. So that four years, so if you look at my background, actually it is a kind of a nightmare for a HR person. But from the point that I stand right now, is everything makes sense. Because during that time <clears throat> when I was operating my restaurant, I met my wife and my brother-in-law, which is a business genius. And at the end of 2011, I sold my business to a, you know, chain, a big chain, restaurant chain in Turkey. And we went to Middle East to launch internet businesses there. So last 15 years, I've been mainly in technology, startups, gaming. And also last five years, I've been in the blockchain rabbit hole. I was captivated by the technology. And during that time, you know, you guys remember 2000. 18 to 2020, there was not much going on. But after Ethereum, all those dApps were like growing like mushrooms. I invested into many projects. I read thousands of white papers. But Bitcoin white paper would change my life, you know. I said, wow, there's some inc- amazing things that are going on here. And at the same time, we were playing a lot of Web3 games, which we were very unhappy because we're hardcore gamers and we're coming from the gaming background. So we said, you know, what can we do about this? We set up a, <clears throat> we set up a Web3 gaming company. And we put great people inside as a team, all, you know, uh, kind of hardcore gamers and coming from traditional gaming and skeptics also, because most of them are skeptics for Web3, right? But I love people, skeptic people with great ideas. Those are the ones that's going to change the world, right? So we've been, you know, developing some Web3 games and also on the personal side. I'm helping artists and creators, those amazing people, how to enhance their creativity with NFTs. I've been trying to tell them what are NFTs are and what can do their businesses, and how can they create economic freedom. And also, I've been consulting gaming studios in Turkey how to migrate to Web3 and how to, you know, scale and you know, set up and scale their businesses. But the most important thing is, I realized, guys, that what I believe as a blockchain technology as a movement has nothing to do with what's going on. So instead of sitting on the sidelines, I st- I started write about this, you know, about blockchain, blockchain technology, NFTs, you know, gaming, whatever, and what's going on and what's not going on. So what I do is is also I try to spread the words, given the stage, like you guys in events and you know podcasts and so on and so forth. So in a nutshell, this is uh, me, and my life and what we're doing. Oh, that's uh, quite
2: a diverse background that you have. So. Yeah, I'm curious what, you know, led you to gaming and decide that that is kind of the the next business you want to to build. And also, uh, do you mind if I also ask, like, what do you feel like, you know, with your background? What, what is, um, what are, are you bringing anything new to the table in, in gaming?
1: Hope so. I hope so. That's the intention, right? Look, as I said, my background is a nightmare for HR, but everything makes sense. As I said, look, you know, after my restaurant business, I went to Middle East. And let me tell you something about Middle East, a very attractive market for gaming, right? I mean, especially mobile games. In Saudi Arabia, user, you know, paying user conversions are really high and revenue from paying users is really high. It's actually higher than Europe. So a lot of companies, they connected with me when I was there because when you are in that countries like high barriers of entry and high culture, it's you need to know the localization, right? You need to know what those people are, you know, kind of when they cry, when they laugh, what are their holidays? It's like all this behavioral science behind that. Otherwise, you're not gonna penetrate into that market. So during that time, I helped many gaming studios to, to go to the go to market and also penetrate Saudi Arabia and Middle East, and also we had some really great connections with telecoms, the partnerships, and so on and so forth. What I realized, look, I'm not a hardcore gamer. Yes, I play games, but what captivated me was the business of gaming, right? Because you know I've been in uh, you know business for many years, and once you set up everything. Uh, in gaming, you know, if you do that user acquisition funnel, you know, you do that monetization, the game design, it just creates miracles here with the great teams. So I was quite captivated, the, the fast growth of the user acquisition and the things they do. I was like, what kind of business is this? You know, this is unbelievable. So I had in my mind, man, I want to do that because this is amazing. So that's how I got into the gaming business the first. So that's what I said. If I didn't go there... Maybe in some way and somehow it would happen to me. But you know, since we're telling our story here, that's how I got introduced with gaming business per se.
0: And maybe you can talk a little bit more about your current projects and mention uh, the, the game you're currently developing.
1: Sure. Um, so after Saudi Arabia, I got an offer, job offer from Turkey, one of the biggest game development and publishing companies. And I worked with them for many years, you know, publishing games, the business development Latin America, Europe, you know, Middle East, you name it. And after I was introduced with blockchain, and and then I was very unhappy about the, you know, what's going on and what we believe in. I decided to set up our, you know, Web three company here with a bunch of, you know, traditional gamers. And what we're building here is a auto battler game called Fight League. It's a combination of Heartstone and team fight tactics. You know, it sounds familiar, right? You know, because in blockchain, card games and auto battles are really good fit for, for blockchain here. And our 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 vision here is to be a part of that chain, not to conquer the world. You know, there's no blueprint here, but it's just all about the experiences. But what we know. Is that the gamers out there, first of all, looking for a good product, right? Yeah, it has to have a good game. Otherwise, all those other value propositions you're putting on table on blockchain doesn't really matter. They don't care wallets. They don't care about the ownership. They know about the ownership anyway, right? All the things that you, you bring on the table just goes through a product. So we said, okay, we make a great sticky game that resembles, you know, the, you know, that has all these takeaways from traditional games. That's number one. That's the. That's the idea, right? And then the second thing, you have a great game. What do you do? You know, you lower the barriers of entry. You know, like in in in, in, in blockchain games, they talk about monetization models. You play to earn, play and on, play to something. But it's the same. Look, you know, if it's free to play, free to play. You come and play. If you require this guy to buy an NFT, it's pay to play. If you require an OP NFT to win, then it's pay to win. Why complicate things? So we said, okay, let's come and play. That's free to play. And then what do you do? Frictionless onboarding, right? They don't have wallets, those guys. They don't care about the blockchain. They just want to play the game. So, okay, just sign in with your social sign-ins, whatever. You just, you know, come and play the game. And also the economy. From the beginning, we were very, very against the idea of tokenization. Look, NFTs are something else. NFTs are in-game items. They've been trading them. They've been selling and buying them in-game items. They're used to that. They are, like, very intuitive, right? But tokenization, it's the Wall Street mentality, you know, a couple of things are red flags there. One, number one, you raise money through tokens. That's security. They're going to come after you. Number two, it's not intuitive for a, um, you know, for a gamer. <clears throat> so we're building this game with an intention to experience and it's been an amazing journey for us, right? Because, you know, we lived through that gaming and, you know, living in this, in this new, new, new chapter is amazing as far as on the community side. You know, that's, that's a new chapter for social management, you know, social media management, the interaction between the developers and the players. And it's just, it's just changed everything. And we've been kind of playing around the game design, you know, because now you have this open. An open economy, you have to create your NFTs accordingly, not to disturb the game design, and you have to make it in such a way that die buy, they buy those NFTs as a utility, not something as a collectible, right? Because it's not a collectible. So it's been such a blast, you know, really to learn all these things and kind of pour all that kind of traditional our traditional experience and takeaways into this magnificent movement and a magnificent technology really.
2: So um say say i was a uh, a new player walking to this game that you're creating um could you sort of describe sort of my experience um or you know the experience of a new player um going you know onboarding to this new technology and how like how does it feel different from you know traditional games
1: isn't that the uh, isn't that the, the most important thing here like isn't that the biggest mistake it shouldn't be different why it should be different it should be seamless right whatever your experience with the you know, traditional games per se. And I hate those words really, Web3 games. When you say Web3 game, they understand it as a genre. It's not a genre. It's just a technology. It's backed by we should say it it's a game backed by blockchain technology. Does it really matter when you develop a game on Unity or real game engine, Unreal Engine? Doesn't really matter. This is a this is a technology. So as far as the frictionless onboarding, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you download it, play it. You just go into that plate. You don't need a wallet. You don't need anything. You know, I I, actually with this given technology right now, you guys know this, you know, with the infrastructure right now, you know, there's layer ones and layer twos offering their incredible payment rails right now. You don't need to think about those things. You need, you just need to find a focus on your game and focus many, many people playing your game. Brian, you know how many people playing blockchain games right now? 20 million. Like you. You know, it's a joke. You know, 3 billion people, huh? 20 billion people. That means there's a private party going on. So the experience should be the same. What you should do is that you should infuse the blockchain technology or blockchain elements into the game, but the gamer should not feel that they're playing or they're doing something differently. So all this user journey, it's, it's, it's almost the same. There's nothing. There's nothing here. Any hurdles, any requisitions, anything like that. It's seamless.
0: And do you have any other uh, kind of advices to those who are creating a game, a kind of uh, which uses blockchain technologies, or they have already game but they want to attach uh, additional layer, so for community building or yeah. anything. Yeah.
1: I do, of course. And you know what? I am not saying anything out of blue. I'm saying everything, you know. if If I say something, I have to back it up with my real life experiences, right? With my experiences, and when it when it when you look at the experiences, really success doesn't give you anything; it's just the failures that teaches you. And the things that we went through this one and a half years is that the failures, the bumps and bruises, are amazing. But we learned a lot. Number one, communication. Communicated well, you know. This is not a genre. This is just a great game that you're building it, <clears throat> and you're gonna have NFTs. You know, for, first of all, I wouldn't recommend starting this with tokens because, as humans, you know, like we, I think we tend to complicate things, right? And we talk about metaverses, but DeFi is not ready. You know, blockchain games are not ready. NFTs are not in mass. And we talk about, you know, metaverse. And people talk about metaverse. They don't know the difference between database and blockchain. I mean, it's just, it's really amazing. People are very uh, amazing creatures when it comes to that. So start simple. Okay. That's a great game. And we have NFTs. What are NFTs? In-game items. Okay. Okay. Now you're going to have this NFT because you're going to love this game. You want to upscale your game. You want to up your game. Don't buy this NFT for the return on investment. Otherwise, it's, it can go sideways. Of course, they're going to make money. Of course, they're going to do this. But they're not playing to make money. They're playing for the sake of playing money, right? There are two types of values in life. One of them is monetary value and non-monetary value. Monetary value is a cash flow and appreciation. Non-monetary is like happiness and, you know, thrills and cheers, whatever. So. With gaming, we we provided, they provided, they accomplish all this non-monetary value, 99%. We've been playing games for years, and we've been enjoying it. It's unbelievable. But on the monetary side, it's like it's a sunk cost. I'm not talking about, you know, like enjoying and having fun. I'm talking about as a sunk cost. You know, you spend $100 at the end of the month. You're not getting anything. So imagine people spending $20 more for this, that's going to be $3 billion, $60 billion more money for this industry. So take it easy, you know, have a great communication with your with your committee, And this goes for your investors, and this goes for your community. Managing expectations. If you tell your investor that, I'm gonna have conquered the world, I'm gonna be a you know, unicorn, then the expectation will lead to that way. If you talk to your community, oh, you know, I sell you an NFT, $10, it's gonna be $1,000, they're going to be investors you don't want investors in your game you want players your investor to player ratio should be 10% of course there's going to be some but it shouldn't be it should be 10% sure you manage your expectations and you will be they will be amazed with the team you know nobody talks about this look think about a gaming studio like regular okay i have a team what do you pay them salaries right and you pay them what also you do an employee stock option you know, so you exit the company, they get some money here, but you know, they're all creators. You know, that's why I feel so privileged, guys. I mean, to be in this gaming sector because your audience, they understand the digital status. They understand digital ownership. They've been doing that. You have that audience. So you, you start, you have a kickstart. Okay. Nobody has a kickstart other than gaming is going to play a very important role doing going to the masses. Think about the team, but if you kind of, they create NFTs and start earning money on NFTs, they kind of have this realization, oh my God. So their interaction with the community, their motivation changes drastically. So we live that. They were like, oh my God, you know, now now you believe that. They didn't believe this so much. And then after the interaction with the community, because the community, team side, developer side, the interaction between the player and the community has been walled in gaming right it's it's not that interactive in in blockchain gaming here the developers and the team is more engaged with the community and community having piece of that nft is the ownership and they spread the word i i say they become evangelists so you see this amazing really uh supercharged tribe amazing supercharged team working together to make a better game for everyone's sake so you know that's, that's my thing. Just play around. You know, there is no blueprint. Don't be scared. Don't be, don't, don't be afraid to put yourself in foolish position. You know, there's a great saying from Nietzsche. It says, you know, fool is the precursor of the savior. So, you know, you cannot survive. You cannot, you cannot do this or so, you know, you know, kind of conquer the world or whatever without putting yourself in the foolish position. And now we're at the very beginning stage. So, you know, all doors are open for you, really.
2: So I think when when you're thinking of NFTs you normally you know think of people being able to you know trade buy and sell them um, you know with the crypto <laughs> or yeah uh you know with with crypto or um you know real money um traditionally it's been you know very controversial introducing yeah. any sort of uh, connection with uh real currencies to any kind of game because yeah. gamers are very passionate and they do want to keep Mm-hmm. Uh, that separate like how have you managed how have you found that balance you know with the communities you're building
1: look the way i look at it is nfts is the consumer layer of blockchain why this is important is is that because i've been there since the beginning of internet right 1990s nineties, nine 2000 what made internet internet exponentially was instagram okay that was the consumer layer of internet because it was a, I believe the, the NFTs is the consumer layer of, of of blockchain, and that's going to reach us to masses. When you when you're talking about NFTs, you know, with a person that is in gaming, it's very intuitive. So, with your community, your communication should be on the utility side. Okay, two things happened here, Brian. I think that really kind of created bad juju, let's say, because these things started with DeFi. And all the staking token hype came from DeFi to gaming, blockchain gaming. And NFTs, they started as collectibles. So when I say an NFT, they're like, oh, you know, why would you give $50 million to an ape? So this is the and this is this is this is how society is, is, is looking at this. And I you cannot blame them. You know, we have the bad juju now, you know, because there's a lot of scam projects, scam artists out there. You know, as so you say, I'm doing a Web3 project, oh, it's a scam. Oh, it's a scam. This is this game is a scam. Well, the time is essence here. So you need to, first of all, ethical business, right? You, it's, it's, it's a code. Technology doesn't know it's good or bad. You can write a code to scam people. You can write a code for the goodness of people. So if you do ethical business and if you kind of do a really great game design, your game design should be in such a way That, you know, you shouldn't, an OP NFT should not create an advantage if the skill level is the same. And this happens for a lot for the games. If you remember this, if the skill level is the same, okay, this guy with the OP NFT, you know, the the other guy should have at least an advantage to, to win the game. So it should be horizontal, not hierarchical. You know, that's not vertical hierarchy. It should be horizontal hierarchy. If you do that game design in that way, okay, and then put the utility and emphasize that utility to your community, and they will follow you, and they will buy that for for the for the, to play the game for the utility of the game, and it will create high velocity secondary market naturally, because if there's a high demand, the secondary market, you know, you cannot do anything about that. But at least it just happens organically. That's fair. Um, I wonder if you uh,
2: are you using because I think we we sort of touched on this briefly before. Um, recording but uh maybe we can elaborate a little bit more on that are you using any other sort of new emerging technologies when uh you're you know within your cities as you're crafting these games
1: you guys see me walking on the street you think that i'm a crazy person you know i am in love with my chat gpt you know and now with the gpt4 you can talk voice right you know there's voice change so i just talk to you know like talk to it like all the time and we have this great great, you know, things that are we doing in our game too. Number one, this, look, I mean, what's the most valuable thing in life? Time, right? Linear, you cannot take it back. That's for sure. So AI gives you time, a lot of time. And people are saying, oh, we're going to lose our jobs. Yes, you will if you're bad at your job. Why you put on your blame on AI? You know, if you're on a comfort zone and you're bad with your job, you're going to lose it. But, you know, what I've seen so far is that AI will make a mediocre developer a better developer, mediocre designer a better designer. Why? Because it's a great news. I mean, look, the things that we do in two weeks, now we do it in one day. And it gives us time to optimize things for the next two weeks. That's amazing, right? So I'm saving time, I'm saving money. That's the most important thing for a startup, right? Time and money, because everybody's expectations are really high. So I need to save time and money. So what you can do is that, I tell you a little bit on implications on that. Number one, we are using to optimize the narrative. You know, because like we say, we have this ancient game, right? We have this ancient world and there's a lot of stories combined in it. And it's just, you know, it just makes more sense. It just you know, the AI creates more more sense into that. The second thing is the development. The development, you have a, you know, you have a problem with pet finding, which you know, like it always happens. It just gives you all these roads to take and it just saves you a lot of time. Game design. Ah, you know it's it's incredible you can ask that you can give you it can give you all the shortcuts and everything and the interaction between the player and the game will be too much and you can use it also any at the beginning of your you know startup journey to create the pitch deck or you know to create the financial you know instruments to financial projections and so on and so forth and also um like i think that the biggest impact will be on the NPCs, non-player characters. You know, we had this farmer job, like this stupid bot, if you will, that coming and saying, "You know, I have a quest for you." You know, blah blah. Now, those conversations will be like sandbox conversations. It's going to take it to another level. I cannot even imagine right now where it's going to go. But for AI, uh, in my personal life, it's just making me a better person, and in my business, it's making my business a better business. And it's just going to give everyone that time that they need it, you know. And it's so funny, people are really you look at them, they're doing repetitive jobs and they're not happy with their jobs and they're they're afraid of losing their jobs. What an ironic thing, right? You know, how can you how can you be afraid of losing something that you don't like really? I mean, so but AI will solve that anyway, and it's solving that for us for like we've been using that probably what, eight, seven, nine months, you know, really heavily. And it's been amazing.
0: I think it's like you mentioned before, even with the web free. So it's just a tech. You just need to have uh, ethical business. Um, So, yeah, it doesn't know. The tech doesn't know if it's good or bad. So if you're applying the tech in a good way.
1: Look, Anna, we're, we're still domesticated primates in Savannah holding iPhone 15. We're apes holding iPhone 15. I'm sorry, but this is how it is. If you look at human operating system, human OS, what's the version? Like, yes, we're cognitively higher, you know, more advanced. We're more wiser maybe. But are we psychologically or socially more advanced than ancient humans? No. There's war going on, still land war going on in the world. So our human OS version is number two, let's say, version two. And there's iPhone 15. There's a huge gap between the humans, you know, kind of psychologically and also socially and the advanced technologies. If we cannot really improve ourselves on that area, we'll be, probably we'll be annihilated with our own creations. And that's not going to happen from AI. That's going to happen from an evil person or an evil corporation. And stop that. It's also on us. Oh, that's true. Very simple.
0: Do you have any... Any other hopes and predictions for the future of like gaming?
1: Yes, yes, I do. I do. Um, let's talk about gaming first a little bit. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions. I, I believe that the macroeconomic conditions are still shaky in the world. I have no idea what the Fed is going to do. Plus, guys, there's too much money in the, in the system right now. The emission is crazy. And those guys have been printing money like crazy. Like We can tap into those conversations maybe next time the money history of money and why we have crisis every 10 years so if there is a crisis that's going to be a big crisis um, i don't think the investment scene will be very like high also like the high investments in that scene i'm very um kind of optimistic on user-generated conduct ugc it's going to take us to another level um, especially with the help of ai npcs and npc like you know backed uh, kind of uh, games um, will be there and And also on the blockchain side we, we might see some fully blockchain games, fully blockchain backed games which i'm you know I'm not so sure of, but we'll see new monetization models you know with in, with the introduction of blockchain, and we'll see some incredible gamification models also this year. but I think and also about the mergers and acquisitions um gaming industry is very conservative, okay they don't make the first move. they wait. iPhone got out two thousand seven. No investments were made on the mobile sector, mobile industry, until 2013. You remember, you know, these Angry Birds came out, they proved that there's a certain mechanic here, and then they start pouring money and talents coming here. Five years, right? I mean, five, six years, even. So think about that. So once we prove that there's a certain mechanic here, a game like Angry Birds, okay, then then they will make the move, because they have the money, right? But, you know, they have the luxury to wait. And then they probably have merged with some blockchain studios because blockchain studios will have the necessary you know-how and data. And about the AI, oh, just think about the movie Her. I don't know if you guys remember that. I think it's just going to be more personalized. And on the hardware, we're going to be carrying it around. It's going to be recording and it's going to be helping us and guiding us. And be our muse for the, you know, for the rest of our lives. Let me next, next, next year, but in five years, it's very hard to predict right now, given the speed of business cycles. And there's a lot of news going on, right? On the robotics, on the space, on AI, on blockchain. Oh my God, you name it. And at the same time, we have world war going on. So it's really tough to make a prediction. But as I said, um, you know, for the metaverse, Hardware side and also all the elements that makes a metaverse should work properly first to make a metaverse. So let's not kid ourselves; it's just a fantasy word for me right now. But on the other end, future is bright if we just know how to improve ourselves, get wiser, and know how to use those technologies properly. It's just going to cost is going to go down dramatically, and we're going to have more time for decision making. You know, so decision making will be pivotal in the future for humans.
2: All right. Um, I think we're just about reaching the end of the, the podcast, so I'd like to leave you uh, the last minute or so just for any sort of last words to our listeners and, you know, um, how can they find out more about the projects that you get up to and how can they sort of connect to you?
1: Uh, well, as I said, you know, instead of sitting on a sideline, I decided to write and, you know, kind of if I'm invited to events, I spread the word. I write a lot on these subjects on Medium. I'm very active on LinkedIn sometimes on Twitter yes and you know I'll I'll provide you the links and everything so they can come and check and and our you know our game and how we're building it and so on and so forth so you know we we'll, we we'll, you know they can find me on LinkedIn and especially on if they want to know about more deeper in my ideas about blockchain NFTs and you know the future the AI and so on and so forth they can check my medium pages
0: Thank you so much for doing this episode with us. It was a pleasure. And I'm sure we'll have uh, more episodes with you in the future.
1: Hopefully. Yeah. It was it was great. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
2: Oh, thank you for joining. It's great
0: having thank you. Thank you.
1: Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.